0: an even uglier baseball thing than what the Pirates have done this past week? Well, I've got it topped pretty easily as of late last night. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. The Pirates lost to the Brewers last night. 12-0 Twelve to nothing was the final count. Thirty-eight to three for the three-game series sweep by Milwaukee. One forty-six for the team batting average for the Pirates. What am I missing? 0 for seventeen with runners in scoring position. Uh, everything has gone wrong. Everything, everything, everything since the Adam Frazier trade. Uh, in fairness everything had gone wrong all season against the brewers so there's no change in that context and whatever you know, you can like live with that stuff cuz you know what the plan is anyway you don't know about the execution but you know what the plan is and you can live with hey you know in a year or two this prospect or that prospect will be arriving or Brian Reynolds and K- Brian Hayes, and you can add a couple of guys on. What kills you, what kills you as a baseball fan in a place like Pittsburgh, where the revenues will always be limited regardless of who the owner is, is what happened with Los Angeles last night where you saw the Padres, who are based in a market that is the size of Pittsburgh, a little bit smaller actually, and where the ownership made up their minds with Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado and a handful of other guys to go for it. That's it. We've got a group of prospects we've been waiting on for a while. Here they are. They've made it. Let's do it. So the Padres step up. Ownership steps up. The fans step up. Petco Park's always packed. Revenue comes in. Nice-sized local TV contract. So you're making the most of the market that you're in. You're doing everything right. The Padres are going after Max Scherzer. The big target on the trade market. The big target. And the Dodgers, who have literally infinite funds based on the unbelievable scope of their local TV money, and to an extent the local ballpark money, but really about the TV money, can do anything they want. Now, to their credit, they do maintain a strong minor league system. And for the most part, you do play on an even field when it comes to developing talent. The Dodgers are really good at it. I've now heard that from Ben Charrington and his predecessor, Neil Huntington, that there's a real model there in LA for how they do that. But what happens, what happens that gives the Dodgers this unbelievable and incomparable across sports advantage is that they can sign. Trevor Bauer to a forty million dollar one-year deal. And it goes kablooey. Which it did because of the accusations that currently have Bauer semi-suspended. He's still getting paid, but he's not playing. And that's something that would destroy any other franchise. You'd have 40 million idle dollars on your payroll. To the Dodgers, it's nothing. They just go and they add Scherzer and Trey Turner and anybody else they want, basically. Oh, we don't have Bauer? Okay. Oh, wait, it looks like the Padres in our division are trying to get Scherzer. Well, we can't have that. So they go into their minor league system, which they don't even really need to use because they can buy up anybody they need to fill the diamond. And they give up a bunch of prospects because they don't mean as much to the Dodgers because they can just go get Mookie Betts. And there it goes. There it goes. Padres end up going for Daniel Hudson instead from the Nationals, one of baseball's better relievers guy that pitched here, of course, briefly, not well. And the Dodgers payroll, once all this is formalized and completed, for this year, will be $307 million. Now, I could put that into terms of what the Pirates payroll is, and I will in a second, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't paint the real picture here. The Dodgers will be at $307 million. The second highest team in baseball are the Red Sox at 205. Almost a $100 million gap between the Dodgers and everyone else. And people will come back with, luxury tax is really working. The luxury tax doesn't work. Anytime any team has wanted to blow up the luxury tax, they've done so. They say, heck with it. They get consumed with the moment we'll end up paying the tax they don't care why because they have infinite funds you know what on one hand good for them and yay america and whatever else here the fact of the matter is other teams aren't playing by the same rules that is the essence of fairness in sports is that you start out with the same system with the same chance. There is a reason that the National Football League, the National Hockey League, the National Basketball Association, Major League Soccer, every other entity in North America at the highest level professionally has a salary cap system. Understand when I say that it's salary cap system Normally, especially in Pittsburgh, the reflex is to say, what about a floor? you got to get the cheapskates like Bob Nutting to spend up to... There's, there's no such thing. A salary cap system produces a range of $20 million between cap and floor. Never even has to be said. Never have to state the word floor. A $20 million range exists in the NFL. A $20 million range exists in the NHL. A $20 million range exists in the NBA. And if you put in a cap system into baseball, there'd be a $20 million range. Oh, also, greatly expanded revenue sharing so that every team can afford to be in that range. Bob Nutting is passionately in favor of a cap system to break up another myth that's out there. He and Travis Williams would throw themselves in front of moving vehicles to have a cap system in baseball. Because the Pirates would be able to compete fairly. The Pirates would benefit immensely. And so, by the way, if it helps convince you, would their bottom line. But nothing happens. Nothing happens. When these stories occur, even as big as the one last night, watch the complicit reaction of the national baseball media. They start cheerleading. sounds like they're cheering for a team, and they're not. They cheerlead for excitement regarding the transaction. Ooh, look what the Dodgers did. Who's going to beat the Dodgers? that kind of stuff as if this is good for the health of the game the same way you'll see these guys type things like well that's just the natural of order things you know that that happened when the mets started spending money this is how it's supposed to be the big bad mets are back and spending again things are normal this is what they see This is the world that they live in. And by the way, for the most part, this is what they're surrounded by because these are the markets that they're working in. Good luck trying to convince anyone in New York or Los Angeles that there's anything wrong with baseball anywhere else. Because what they see... What they hear and what they read is constant passion and enthusiasm from the fans, from the the local media that are there. They walk into nothing but packed ballparks of people who just hang on every pitch. They don't come here. They don't go to Kansas City. They don't go to Cincinnati. They don't go to even places like Milwaukee where the Brewers are in first place. They stay right where they are. And that's that's what their surroundings are. It's funny, Rob Manford focuses on all kinds of little things, mound visits remaining and you know the length of the game, starting the tenth inning with a runner at second base because that's going to be the thing that makes baseball more pal no, nothing makes baseball more fun for a fan than to have a team to cheer for that has a prayer of winning. That is a number one. Go back to 2013 and 15 here in Pittsburgh and look at the number of kids who were engaged with Andrew McCutcheon and that whole team. They didn't just turn on TV one night and say, boy, I'm really glad this game is 2 hours and 58 minutes instead of 3 hours and 7 minutes. You know what? I really feel like I like this sport right now. No. No. They started to fall in love with their pirates. That's all that happened. I could do this forever. This one just burns me up. When we come back, just one question. It's time for just one question, and that's brought to you always on this program by the good people at North Shore Tavern, located directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's the home of Steak on a Stone, home of our solar system's only truly dedicated Pirates Sports Bar. Like front to back 365 days a year, it's nothing but bucko's. Come down and check out North Shore Tavern across Federal Street from PNC Park. Today's question comes from Jason Elliott, and Jason says, Pirates have been loading up on hitters, but pitching seems bleak other than a couple of arms. How will it be addressed? Jason, I'm going to presume you're referring to the system as almost anybody would be in that context, so I apologize in advance if if you meant something else. The system is, in fact, being loaded principally with position players. Every single time I try to get out of Charrington anything about position this, position that, he gives this same, like, semi-smile. Like, I can't believe you're asking me again about positions because it's not intentional. It's not willful. If you look at this past draft of those four guys that they were able to draft and sign who all ranked within Baseball America's top 32 prospects in that class, three of the four, everybody but Anthony Solamedo, the lefty, are position players. And that's really the case as well through most of the system. Not everywhere. Not everywhere. I will say that in AAA, once they get healthy, and ideally they do get healthy, Ruanze Contreras, a starter throwing 100 miles an hour with a bunch of other weapons, Miguel Yahure, who has the best off-speed stuff in the system and probably some of the best poise as well, both of them are in a shutdown mode at the moment, which is concerning. But if they prove to be healthy... Those are very viable prospects to pitch in Pittsburgh next season. In Yojray's case, it's a no-brainer. From there, this is where it gets a little rougher because you have to drop all the way down to Greensboro. That's not to say that there's nobody in Altoona, but it's, you know. Greensboro is where you have Quinn Priester and Carmen Leginski and, and and other guys that have been high draft picks, high pedigree types that you're really looking forward to seeing shoot up the ladder here sooner rather than later. They've had their own hiccups along the way. Their baseball prospects. That'll happen. But they exist. That said, you're right. You're right that the position players definitely outweigh the pitchers when it comes to the Pirates' best prospects. I'm not sure I would go so far as to say the pitching is bleak because it's better than what it was under Neil Huntington and Kyle Stark, but it's still got a ways to go. Now, how will it be addressed is the actual question that you asked. Again, when I bring that up with Charrington, and, and I did just a couple of weeks ago at PNC Park, his response was, look, if we have too much of one position and we don't have enough of another, we'll go and get them. You know, you can trade. You can trade prospects for prospects. Those aren't common trades, but they're also not unheard of. Uh, You also can say, all right, well, we're in the major leagues right now and we have all these position players coming up. And because they're all still in their first three years in the bigs, they're going to cost us like nothing. We can go, cue laughter, spend money. Now, you're not going to be in the market for, you know, what Trevor Bauer was commanding from the Dodgers before his suspension, $40 million a year or something insane like that, and you don't have to be playing in Max Scherzer territory to pull this off either. You just, you know, fill the rotation up. If you've got a rotation of, let's say, JT Brubaker and Yohure and Contreras and, you know, guys that just kind of fill out the rotation. Uh, the Chad Cool types, Stephen Brault types, um, they're out there. But then you bring Quinn Priester up into the mix at some point, not next year, but the year after that. You can have enough. If you don't, you're probably looking at needing one or two pitchers and that is a feasible thing to expect to get from the outside so there's ways to do it the the priority is just to get the best players at whichever position place them where they need to go move them as needed along the way to where they're best but to not really worry at all about positions until they're closer or in Pittsburgh? I appreciate the question. That's good stuff. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one of these on Monday.